Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things. In a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked, learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom, what's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Protector Podcast. I'll probably put this on EPL as well. We all need this. We're gonna have an awesome real-world conversation with an honored guest, Sergeant Michael Gomez. He is uh, with an agency out here in Southern California. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good, man. Call me Mike, please. Mike, <laughs> outstanding. All day long. No, I love that. I love that. I mean, you're still a ground pounder, you know, from what I heard, you know, at heart, for sure. You know, from what I heard um, with uh, who was it who was training with you? Bryce. Uh, Bryce. Bryce. And Bryce is a, another very formidable protector, you know, in the uh, kickboxing industry. He's an awesome, awesome guy. Great heart. So, you know, with this episode, I just want to dig in a little bit to uh, with Mike's experiences. You know, he was there for the Route 66 incident. He's out there in the field as a professional protector, as a law enforcement officer. Uh, there's a lot we can learn from this man. He's living the life. He's still out there training. He's, you know, been in the industry for a long time, protecting people. Um, so we've got a lot of good stuff in store. Just a little bit about your background so everyone knows who they are listening to. You know, you know, what's the background, where you come from? All right. Uh, uh, East Coast family, first generation American. So that old, um, the ethics of, man, I'm, I'm lucky to be here in the greatest country in the world that offers nothing but low hanging fruit if you're willing to take it. So you're willing to work for it. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, background, uh, formidable career Marine father, E9 as well, but strict but fair. So I, I had very good guidance. So I, um, the, the the foundation was there. It was pretty easy. So we go from the East Coast to the West Coast, finish high school out here in college. Um, I go home one day to visit my uh, family. My next door neighbor comes home, a kid I grew up with. And I go, hey, what's going on, man? And he goes, I just got back from Panama, jumping out of helicopters and, and killing communists. What are you doing, Mike? <laughs> I, go, I go, man, I'm in, I'm in college. <laughs> And I'm not very, you know, I'm, I'm playing sports in school, but, and then the next day I go, man, I got, I need more. I need yeah. more for me. Outstanding. Uh, I go to the recruiter, man. I want to be like him. I go, look, I'm going to be an army ranger. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I get the army guys at lunch and everybody has a story, but this is mine. Right. How comes the Navy guy? Can I help you? I go, yeah, I'm waiting for the army guy. He goes, well, you can wait in here, you know, set the hook. And I've been. Mm -hmm. And the rest is, so I, I enlist in the Navy for six years on an engineering program. Go out and do that. Great time of the, to be in the Navy. It's the, it's the 90s era during Ronald Reagan. And we're building ships and we're spending nine months a year at sea. 
Wow. It's not horrible unless you're a single kid and you're traveling the world. Right. Very basic there. I, I get out. I get injured. I'm at uh, Balboa getting uh, surgery done. And I see a sign that says hiring police. And the same amount of effort I put in my military career, I looked at that and I go, well, shit, I can, you know, I can be a cop. How hard can it be? <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, become a police officer, apply for this city in Southern California. Very, very active, very violent city. Mm-hmm. But it's a good place uh, to be a police officer. Uh, I applied, become an officer there. After about a year, I missed the military. I missed the, uh, there's camaraderie uh, when you're a protector wearing a badge, but there is, from my standpoint, there is nothing like the camaraderie of being in the military because we don't go home together. And by that, I mean, hey, bye family in January. I'll see you in October. Yep. And uh, so I missed it. I get back in the Navy. I joined, they go, uh, in that period, they go, hey, you're an engineer again. Fortunately enough, um, I meet some folks. Uh, I end up going to the, the Marines. Uh, Ra. Ra, Mount Mac, Mount Mac instructor course, but always the student. I link up with the young uh, corporal. I'm an E5 then, and uh, we're coming in off of boats. And I go, hey, man, I know nothing. And the kid guides me. I was older than him, obviously, because I was already a a police officer. And this young Marine took the time. It was before they had all the Gucci bags, Willie (laughs) Pete bags. He gives me a Ziploc bag and some 100-mile-an-hour tape and says, hey, we're going to waterproof all your kit. Heck yeah. He took care of me. For everyone that's Camp Pendleton, you know, I'm out there at the Mount Mac, and uh, I go to the instructor course, and then they – um. Somebody has to have the fire watch out there. You can figure the Marines were like, hey, these two sailors, they got they, they got weekend watch written all over them. So oh, yeah. part of the game. Uh I get in there, then the Navy, the Navy never had a professional military police force. The Marine Corps has MPs, the Army has MPs, the Air Force, they call them security forces. The Navy. It was never, uh, you would just be a TDY for non-military. It's temporary. You could be a guy that builds rockets, or you could be an EOD guy, or you could be a boat guy. Hey, all right, you're going to be a policeman for the next month or the next year. They call you master arms. That wasn't a profession in the Navy. And during my period, they made it They made it a NECMOS. They made it a job title for non-military. So then I get the tap and they go, hey, you're a police officer. Would you like to cross over? I go, absolutely. And then I crossed over into what the Navy calls master arms. And then I get into a the only West Coast master arms unit run by a chippy sergeant. And he just goes around the state and he's looking in backgrounds. Okay, who's a shooter? Um, who's a breacher? on the civilian side. So I get picked as a, a SWAT officer and then 9-11, 9/11 happens. And then we all get rolled up, thrown all over the world. And during that period, I, I do the Army's personal protection detail. I go to the Air Force's uh, Phoenix Ravens Special Operations Course. Uh, again, the Marine Corps, Mount Mac the army's basic uh life-saving course and in the end i do 
just under 32 years and I get out as a, a master chief in the Navy. So that's my uh, Naval career. After my first five years on a ship, I've never set foot on board a ship. The whole time I was land-based, Djibouti, El Salvador, Colombia, and last tour was Cairo, Egypt. Good times. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. And then you got into law enforcement right after that, I guess, again, huh? Yeah, so uh, you can get enough, you know. This is right. to the soul, you know. He's a protector. I love it. it. It is, and fortunately, the agency I work for would, if we got when, when you get mobilized for a year, they continue your benefits. It really helped out a lot. Wow, that's you awesome. Then, as um, you know, you'd leave for a year, depending where your deployment was, come back, and you know. And this was when you talk about training, right? Uh, like when I met uh, Bryce. Here's a guy that's a world champion kickboxer. Mm-hmm. He's at a medical package in San Diego. And uh, to, to splinter off, this he just reinforces what I believe in. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who's you know at the pinnacle of his game, training world champions, but he still finds time to become a, to go as a student to a class. And, uh, you know, and, and there we were, as they say, you know, right. <laughs> so there I was smoking blood. And then now, <laughs> buddies, and, uh, now, and now it, it, it dovetailed off. And, and now I met you. So yes, uh, that's my career in a nutshell. Police wise, like everybody else, started patrol, found things I like to do. You know, uh, my cities I work with. Uh, a very heavily gang populated, very violent, a lot of shootings. It's an active city. It's it's the city not for the faint of heart, and it has you know has a good reputation. Like different divisions, hey, um, don't come here if you don't want to work hard, and uh, because you will get in a fight, uh, and they will test you. But if you can get if you can control your emotions and be competent, competent, then you'll be more confident and. And not react out of lizard brain, as they say. Right. So, um, start out there, do about four years on patrol. I get the tap, go to a special detail, um, end up joining the uh, trying out. Didn't make the SWAT team the first time. I think that's just a rite of passage. They just want to see if you cry if you don't make it. Right. You shut your mouth and like, all right. Inside, in, in your inner voice is like, I know I'm better than that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to make me take another lap. I know I'm better than that guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, never let him see you bleed. Right, right, right. So, uh, I do that for 19 years uh, in their detective work. And uh, you also get to a point where, uh, you know, you're always training, you're always learning. And uh, you get to a point where your body just says, you know, I, I can still make all the PTs, but am I am I making them in the top 10%? Right. And then it was time to go, hey, look, I'm just gonna go back to go back to being just a blue suitor. Mm. Uh, picked up sergeant. And now I'm back in patrol mm. as a sergeant. And it's the best place to be when you want to mentor and help young officers make the right decisions. And it, for, for me, especially. Uh, helping veterans transition from the uh, civilian world into the blue suit world. Yeah. And really reigning most of, um, 
mostly the Marines. I mean, I get my young devil dogs. It's mostly harnessing that energy in a because they're all in in a productive manner. Power without a purpose is a problem. You got to direct it somewhere positive. You got to change. Of a lot of energy. So that's about yeah. it. You know, that's awesome, man. What a career. Thank you so much for all that service. Um, that's beautiful. How would you describe what's driven you to be this protector? As I, I talk a little bit about the protector DNA, and this is the guy who's just, he might be a barista at Starbucks right now, but like if someone goes in there, he's going to do something about it. He was the guy that defended his friends on the playground, wouldn't let people pick on other people while they're around. It's like there's something inside some of us. Because this to you is more than just a job. This is like, it's obviously a calling, you know. This is like, this is more than a nine to five way of life, you know. How would you describe kind of what's driven you to that? Was there a, was there a situation in your childhood or was this just kind of a drive that was in you? You know, uh, I'd like to say I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, but I've, I've, I've never thought at that angle. Um, and you're right. I, I think it's the endorphin, you know, it's the, um, they call, they call it the, the cup of fortitude, right? Uh, hard days make hard men and women, but the cup gets empty. And somehow, somewhere you need to refill that cup. Otherwise you're going to crash as a human. It, it, it ain't Napoleon's two cents ribbon. <laughs> it's somebody I respect coming up and, 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 you know, giving me the, some people don't need it. Obviously I need it going, Hey, thank you. Or giving me knuckles. Hey, good work. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm probably as simple as a Malinois doll. <laughs> yeah. If I get a pat on the back, I'm good. You know, and sure I can do without it, but it makes me, um, it validates what I'm doing. You know, yeah. it's that, makes me feel good. It's a cup of coffee in the morning. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Now that's huge. I, I can completely relate with that when like patrons of my course, students of my EP school are like, Hey man, without this, I don't know where I'd be, or I wouldn't have a job or I wouldn't like, you know, I really needed what you said today. I'm like, like, I like to think that like, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Like I like to think like, no, nah, I'm just, you know, but when it comes, it's priceless. It's absolutely yes. priceless. You can't put a price on that. So I, I 100%, I, I, it's meaningful, you know, and it's valid. It's beautiful. That's awesome, man. Well, let's see here. Let's dig into, let's dig into the Vegas, uh, in, into the Route 66. You break it down. Yeah. Any question you have. Uh, and there's a couple good reads I've had. I've had, uh, a couple good mentors. Uh, one guy was an SF guy he worked with us for years and years and way before, you know, reading Colonel Grossman and all this was before he was going to police work and before folks like you were out there talking to us, you know, yeah. our brain, inoculating us to things. Um, he was the only guy. So uh, my friend uh, takes me to see this guy and and he goes, hey, look, when and if you get in the shooting or as you start seeing a lot of dead bodies, you just need to know. These are the, some things that can happen to you. Right. Mike, everybody's good in the front end, but it's the back end. Yeah. I go, all right. And, and, you know, nicest guy in the world, the humblest, the funny things, right? Um, SF guy, they keep him off the SWAT team for eight years. Mm. Just out of guys were intimidated of him. Just okay. Versus men, uh, people like you and I would say, hey, let this, let, let's bring this guy in. Let's keep him in a box and say, hey, train us up. 
Yeah. So if you're you're an SF guy, Green Beret for you folks, yeah. um, and you're an instructor out of the, the Q course, maybe you can teach some police officers a thing or two. Yeah, maybe we can learn something from. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he took the time to mentor me, so I learned a lot from him. Um, and he gave me this book on uh, Colonel Grossman. I went to go hear him speak and what to expect and, and how, how to react and why, why some fight or flight Mm-hmm. going to move and what's not going to move. And what, what that did to me is I just had an understanding that I don't know which way I'm going to go the first time. Right. This is big, y'all. Let's know. But, but I know it's, oh, it's, if I end up in neutral, yeah. find, first, find first gear. Yeah. Yep. Find yep. first gear, you'll find second and so on. Just don't go in reverse. Yeah. Don't, don't be so shocked when you're in neutral. Just get out of it. Yeah. Take, take that battle breath, that combat breath, get some situational awareness, that tactical pause, which right. all seem like words prior to my multiple, you know, um, activities, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, that's what happened. So Vegas. Yeah. I'm like everybody else, man. I'm in Vegas at a country concert. Mm. I'm with a bunch of friends. Uh, some from LAPD, some from other different agencies. And if you can visualize the venue itself, let's say the concert stage is at the top of your screen to give you a, uh, a ground map right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the shooter is going to be on the right side of your screen and Mike and his crews all the way to the left. I'm not in the main pocket crowd where it's really tight. Uh, the music's playing. Uh, it's day three. And if any of you all have been to Vegas more than two days, you you're know, in the state three, you're in. Day three, you're just licking your wounds. Yeah, yeah. You're surviving. Right. You're surviving. Like, hey, who came up with three days? You know, yeah. nobody, nobody wants to be that guy to tap out. So, shit, you know, here we Let's are. Push. Um, Let's push. It's the push. At that point, you're looking at your buddies and you're like, oh, I know you're going to go out too. Somebody, <laughs> Are we really doing this? We're doing this. All right. <laughs> Are we really doing this? We go together. So sitting there listening to the music. We've got some civilian friends with us. Music blaring, you know, shit, 180 decibels, just chilling, talking. And then I, I, I hear a couple pops, but remember the music's coming toward me. Mm. And it's in an urban environment and it's angling off the walls. So, um, you know, I like to have a firm belief that, Hey, the day chooses you. And that day it chose me. Mm -hmm. And I hear the pops and from operational or practical experience, I go, man, that sounds like gunfire. Yeah. My body switches. Hey, I'm at a country concert. Maybe it's the speaker. My body is looking, Brian is looking for it not to be a gun. So Mm -hmm. Like hoping now, right? It's just weird how the human body goes. No, it's not. And then it's only a couple, and then people are still just standing there. Music's still playing, and then I hear the cyclic rate that is automatic gunfire. Yeah. Right, but the yeah. body, the body is still going, and your ear goes up like a dog. I'm like, what is that? And then my my buddy goes, "Hey, man, that's gunfire." Yeah. And I pause and I go, man, there must be a gunfight outside the venue. Yeah. You're still finding ways for it not to be happening. Yes. You know, it's that yes. denial. So I like to share that. And 
Yeah. What it's, would what, what would one takeaway from that be? Assume that it is always right. Know? And so those people listening and watching, you know, I've already seen, I don't want to say hundreds, but I've already seen wow. hundreds of people shot, right? And yeah. treated them and seen the gunfire and seen people drop. And I still went, what is that? So then the music stops. That's, that's a big point, man, because I do these tactical protection reviews. And one of the huge um, one of the huge reasons I think good guys lose a lot and a lot of good people are victimized is that cognitive dissonance between like the events happening. It's already taking place. And normal people who are just working their nine to five are sitting there trying to like find a way for it not to be happening. They don't realize when violence is the answer, it's the only answer. And right now, this is the, this is what's happening. We have to yes. get into action. And so they end up behind the eight ball. And it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something for people to think about. And that's why, you know, we try to talk about um, having that software, that mental preparation and looking for things, rolling risk assessments, you know, tactical positioning, put yourself in a position where you have that visual mastery, you know, context, where am I going? What kind of risk is there what should i kind of be aware of you know um and that can give you that little head start to be like oh boom there it is and then get into action as quick as you can because your natural body unless you're like you know if you don't have the context if you were in the street and this happened you would have been like okay what's going on let's get into action because you were at a concert and this type of thing hasn't happened much at concerts really it's kind of like uh, you know but my wife went to a concert the other day and i'm like looking at her before she leaves i'm like Make sure you have a route out. That's not the route everyone else is going to pick. <laughs> you know, make sure you get smart. Be paying attention. You know, because now the context we have a new understanding. That will come into play because um, I had made a mental note. Where's the back exit? And what what I did, and, and this was based on there was a fire back in New England. And a bunch of people burned to death alive at a, at a white snake or some type of rock and roll concert. Mm. I can Google it on YouTube, um, but it's all caught on video. And there's a fire and they all try going out the front door and they get trapped, human bodies trapped. And when you watch this video, um, they get burned alive and they're filming them from 20 feet away, filming them as they're all pinned in the door, stacked like logs. And you see the people trying moving, people are trying to pull them, but there's so much body weight. It's it's hard to watch, but I force people to watch it that it, back to have a plan out. Well, it's a restaurant, folks. Every restaurant, most restaurants, food doesn't come in the front door, it comes in the back door. So go to the kitchen and run out the kitchen. Exactly. Right? Well, Something as simple as that. So when I get to this venue, I see the food carts coming in the south end. It just sits. It just sits in my brain. Keep okay, I got, I got an out plan. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned it. I, you know, I drank that. Have a plan. Yeah. Have, plan. have it. Have something. Have have an out. You know, you'll figure it out on the fly. Like we always. Real quick. The bad guy has a vote. Oh yeah, he <laughs> He picks a time and place. I hear the gunfire. I push my friends down. I go, hey, get down. What I'm trying to do now, I'm trying to do the whole Uda loop thing. I'm trying to orientate myself to the threat. Um, because I don't know where it's coming that's, from. That's like hard, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to, hey, where is this thing coming? And, you know, they go, hey, get down. Um, I chose not to take a knee or make myself small because mm. I didn't know where it was coming from. And I wasn't 
And my mind had already went to, hey, don't die on your knees. Okay. If this guy's coming, you have to bum rush him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and fear, like, like courage or violence of action is contagious. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it, it happens. So I stay up and I'm hearing it and then the music stops. Okay. Stop. All the lights come on. And then at that moment, I already see people running past me as I have my friends down, people shot. And then the next cycle comes. And it was different because for most of us that have been in the military, very rarely do you hear a hundred round drum go off of like a saw, right? So right. you're going to hear a 30 round, you know, mag get dumped, you know, like in the mad minute, young kids getting this, getting this shooting on. Right. But as the cycle goes, and my mind is thinking, man, where is this? So this is so you have a mind's like, hey, this isn't a 30 round mat. And then it goes full auto. And I'll send you the auto, the audio as well. It's from yeah. an Uber. And the impact of the audio lets us normal people realize what would I do by this cyclic rate of is clicking off. Is just quick. Wow. Can I I have to keep I have to fight my natural response to lay down. Right. And stay in motion and just keep problem solving Move. until you either die or get out and keep problem solving. Those are your options. So, <laughs> yeah. So then we push. I think, hey, we need to take cover. Mm-hmm. I have no gun. Can't really tell where it's at. I'm seeing people shot coming from the northeast corner. So I'm going to the northwest corner. Mm-hmm. Right. At that point, I see awesome. And I see four or five, as you say, protectors in Las Vegas Metro shirts, running through the crowd, running toward the sound of gunfire. I'm like, yeah, right on. Go get it. Outstanding. Get it. So, going to Valhalla. I hear more gunfire. We grab our friends. Some people are already frozen, just laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. In 30 seconds, I see two of the officers coming back, one shot to the face. Oh. And they're carrying them out. I said, hey, let's, let's follow the officer. That's our way out. Yeah, they know the route. They know the route and, and a, a friend of mine, solid guy, he goes, hey, let's go to the entrance. It's bigger. And not that it's paranoid, but I'm thinking, hey, man, I give him a little speech. I go, look, hey, if I was doing this hit, I'd set you up with propane bombs. I go, we're not going out the front. No, and that's where everyone else is going to probably try to go and too. that's where they were. Right? Yep. I'm watching bodies. Everybody's running to the front. There's, by then, the kiosks were empty, right? People are jumping over uh uh, uh, food stands, and I'm seeing the crowd move, and I have a, I have a, a contingency of about eight. Mm-hmm. I see this uh, corn dog stand that I can remember, right? So I duck them in there, and so even in chaos, there's fun. So you know, so I get in there, and I happen to go to the place where they're frying corn dogs. Heck yeah, you grab a corn dog. <laughs> I'll tell you some other stuff about getting some uh, uh, war trophies, but that's a different story. Yeah, man. Awesome. So I get in there. First thing I'm looking, I look, hey, I need a knife. Something. I need a knife, a spatula. I'm going to arm something. But I also know once I run out of there, if I run out of there, I'm going to keep it hidden because some young officer is going to put one in me because. Halo effect, man. He's going to be like, that's a guy. That, that's the guy, man. So I'm in there for like two or three minutes and you still hear the gunfire. Shooting, shooting, shooting. People screaming, yelling. And I'm looking up, all my friends are ducked down. And 
And then I go, hey, it's just way too damn hot in here. <laughs> Bad choice. Yeah. I'm like, shit. I go, look, we got to move. So she said, no, it's safe in here. I said, hey, look, we got to move. So we start running to the southwest, and I'm seeing people wounded and shot, and, but I have six civilians with me and a couple police officers. We get 50 yards from the exit. I see this white tent, medical tent. In front of the medical tent, if you can visualize every carnival you've ever gone to as i'm running toward the exit with the other thousands of people cars are stopped they're loading up bodies now it's like maybe six five minutes into it he's still running gunfire still ripping ripping oh man but what i want folks to understand because there's so many people you can't see somebody getting hit 20 yards away from you mm. because of the mass wall of humanity you just hear the yelling right and and now in hindsight I had a plan to move. All that was just noise. Yeah. And I had my three foot rule. It only matters what's three feet in front of me. Nice. That's, I mean, that's like got me through training. That's got me through a lot of things, man. Get this, get these next three feet, you know, and just chunking it. Get just get to breakfast. Just get to lunch, man. Just make the next best decisions. Just get to the hot dog stand. Yeah, <laughs> get to the corn dog stand. Get to the corn dog, man. And, I mean, six minutes is an eternity. It is eternity, you guys, in something like this. And 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 to you gotta keep operating, you gotta keep moving, you gotta keep problem solving, you gotta keep goals, you gotta this is awesome. So as I as I as I'm running by, I see bodies, let's say eight or nine bodies laid on the ground right in front of the uh uh uh, the first aid station. And I look at them, uh and they're not moving and and some are moving around and I see people just running past them. And then I still hear the gunfire. I get my friends to the gate and I go, Hey, just go. I go, look, I'm going to go back in because I could offer medical help. Right. Just with my brain in my hands. Yeah. And like a good partner, like we had mentioned. Yeah. Instead of, and I pushed out a lot of cops and they were running and in hindsight, later they got a hold of me. They had a hard time dealing with survivor's guilt, just so folks know on here. Yeah. But if you have your family with you, your family's priority. 100%. Uh, the day's going to choose you, and you're going to make that decision. Hey, am I going to go in now, mm-hmm. or am I going to make excuses and have issues later? Yeah, real talk, very real. And and hi- in hindsight, what we're hearing about Texas is kind of. So we're going to get into that. And the mindset is, I think in the military, I shouldn't say I think in the military, military, you know, you walk down those hallways of different classes and they have that eight by 10, a picture of a service member for non-military folks. And in there, they have the citation, which means what this, what this person did um, as a hack and as an act of heroism. Right. Of selfishness, not, not doing their own, not worrying about themselves. And you kind of read that in the hallway, almost all of it is posthumously awarded. They died doing it. Right. When you're young, you kind of go, shit, I want my name on that wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, some of us do. Some I get chills, do. just, just think, just, yeah. I right. I mean, chills, you walk those halls, man, you walk yeah. those halls and you look and you go, could I do what this guy did? Right. Uh, maybe. I hope so. I'll never know. Hope so. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It's I hope so. I hope I can 
you know, I hope I, I have what it takes to, to do that, you know, um, and that's really the protector's heart. You know, it's the ultimate act of no greater love than this. And a man would lay down his life for another, you know, and, and, and that's, I think that's what it takes in all these micro microseconds, these moments when you're like, I'm going to go back in when you're about to hit a door and you're with your guys. It's for me, it had, cause I had one mistake in training when we were training. I, my guys just got back from Fallujah. We we're doing Mount and we kicked in a door in a training environment. And one of the 11s was down the hallway with a, a saw with a bunch of Sims back in the back of the hallway. Just, and then we had, I was like, Oh my gosh, I just got back from boot. And my guy, he went in and he grabbed me and they had a guy, and Fallujah get chopped in half and hung out a window because he went into a house by himself and the whole platoon got to see that. And so they grabbed me and they tightened me up the way Marines do. And they were like, you never, ever let a man go in by himself. And since that moment, I was like, I'm going to be ready to die well every single yeah. time I hit a door. And then and, and you have to get, you have to kind of deal with that inside. And then once it's dealt with, I mean, there's just, you're on a whole nother level, I believe as a protector, but that moment where you're like, I'm going to die. I, I could die over this and I'm going to, and it's fine. <laughs> like, this is my moment. Be like, when you went back in there, that was that micro moment. You know, it's like, it's just, I don't even know if I'm describing it right, but it's. I, I think you are. And, and part of it is, I shouldn't say part of it. And everybody has their own different where, Hey, look, I, I have to go. It was I have to. Yeah. Like I can't not. And then, Hey, but I'm not so humble. So when people, mm. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm thinking, oh, this is the other part. And however you justify it mentally, hey, this is badass. I can <laughs> do badass shit right now. I'm sorry, cussing. And I'm in it. Yeah. And then my mind's also thinking, oh, my boys are going to owe me beers. <laughs> this <laughs> okay, man, this is, <laughs> like, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. Yeah. Yes. Rock music like this. There is yeah, it's your ego, moment. too. So don't kid yourself. Um, yeah, man. No, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> All the PTH comes so back, good. like, finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, as we get our friends, I go, I'm going back in. A partner goes, like all partners, like your Marines told you, nobody goes alone. Gives me oh, yeah. the, the verbal response, shit. <laughs> you already know. Yep. I'm We're doing this, bro. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. Yep. So we pop open the glass doors and now, now I want people to visualize a 20 by 30 cloth tent. As soon as I open the door, I look straight ahead and I see two EMTs. Again, things you remember. Now I have just to paint a picture. I probably have seen 200, 200 plus dead bodies. At, let's go easy. 200 plus. Some from, uh, Majority gunshot, but also traffic collisions, suicide, uh, you name it. More gunshot violent. Most of those I just compartmentalize and it means absolutely nothing to me. Mm -hmm. it's, just, uh, it, it's just the way I work. Right. But I can go in there because then I'm in the I'm, I'm in I, I'm in my warrior mindset where hey, this your is uniform. Hey, we'll yeah. mourn tomorrow. Let's we got work to do today, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Um but I open the door and I see two pairs of Daisy Dukes, two pairs of cowboy boots, and I see tourniquets and I see two EMTs. So what folks need to realize, nobody's coming for you in an incident like this. Nobody is coming for you. Um, now we'll just utilize 
partially of what we're hearing about Texas. They're outside. Now, we don't know the structural, a outward opening, concrete wall, still reinforced door that they can't force it open. There's a will, there's a way, but uh, nobody's coming for you. Right. So if you remember that, don't look around for 911. It's not happening. They're going to be overwhelmed. Right. I open it up. I, I see them treating. And now I'm orientating myself to what's going on. And I still hear the gunfire outside the tent. Wow. It's still rolling. Pop, pop, pop. Hear people screaming. But like with anything else, my, uh, my, not my, I don't want to say tunnel vision, but I guess it is tunnel vision. I flipped the switch without thinking about I'm flipping the switch. And I said, OK, medical time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, OK, Mike, what do you do? What do we do? We assess. Boom. Hey. Tell my partner, hey, T, glove up. We glove up, and now I start looking for who's bleeding the worst. And now I'm thinking the old March algorithm, right? Yep. Massive hemorrhaging. Okay, what can I do? I see them putting tourniquets, see a couple other people shot. There's probably 20 people shot that are inside this tent. Wow. And there's a bunch of people moving around. And then you just have to take that combat pause. <sighs> okay, I'm looking for the bleeding the worst. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Just, And I see the first one. Hey, you have any tourniquets? They go, the EMTs go, no. And then I'll, okay, Mike, what do I need? Uh, how do I make Casey tourniquets? Think of your training. Think of your training. Okay, I need shirts. I need windlasses. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, Terry goes, hey, I have a thesoscope. I have a brachial. Fix it. I go, you're on your own. This was a student of mine. I go, hey, you're on your own in here. Yeah, you got it. Uh, uh, T, we went to TECC class together, TCCC class. Same yeah. place. Uh, I met Bryce, um, uh, always going to medical class. I said, hey, this is it. Hey, you're on your own, but hey, don't leave the tent without me. Uh, You're going to be my swim, my battle buddy. Um, You go, I go. Back to the basics, man. Back to the basics. The stuff that works. Back to the stuff. And it it helps calm me down. So yeah, um, puts people are crying in there, not a lot. Uh, and they're on their phone. They won't let go of their phone. They're bleeding to death over a brachial, a, a gunshot to the arm for most folks. But they're holding their phone. They won't even stem the flow of their own blood. Wow. Uh, because this phone is ingrained in them and they want to cry. Mm-hmm. And they want to. Uh, this will help me versus I need to help myself first. Right. Right. I need to help myself. So puts a tourniquet on there. Uh, uses a stethoscope as a tourniquet. Yep. So in those uh, rooms, those first aid rooms, you know, it's the average EMT. He's 18 or she's 18 to 20 years old. It's going to be a great firefighter someday. Yeah. But in the meantime, they're putting in the work. Right. So they, they don't really know how to assess. They don't know how to triage. They don't know how to say you're going to die. And for you listeners and watchers, if you go to a mass casualty incident, you're going to be the one that says, you're going to die. You're alive right now. Right. I can't help you. Right. And I'm going to expend my time and energy on this person that has a better chance of living. Yep. Um, and you need to plant that in your head now. Mm-hmm. And you deal with it. You just look at him, help me. And you just, you know, whether you want to say something to him, whether you want to lie to him, that's it. I, okay. I didn't. I, I looked at people, help me. I patted them. Mm-hmm. And I went to the next. So, what we found, what we ended up doing is there's still gunfire. So after about nine, 10 minutes, the gunfire stops. Nine, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, 
That's a marathon, a gunfight. Any that's a marathon. And you're doing care under fire the whole time. Yeah, you're in there just working, you know. Mm -hmm. And once we're inside, so I have people shot in the chest, and and I've gone through a lot of medical packages, you know, the armies, the air forces, the Marine Corps, the State Department. but you'll forget certain things. That's why you have to be have um, the march algorithms and have the that's it. Up. And even then, I tell guys, hey, look, you're gonna mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> you just don't, are. Don't get hung up on it. Right. Move on. And um, so I'm looking, there's probably 10, 10 people shot in the upper torso. Okay. So that's a five, five, six, very small round. So for you, TECC, you two triple C, you stop the bleed. You guys in personal protection, girls in personal protection details, and you get your client out. Hey, you need to sweep that body because it's going to coagulate. I know this ain't a medical class. Yes, it's yeah. going to coagulate. Um, and then with, with they're kind of different towels. Like you're going to scrape. The other thing is now they're spreading it. You're yeah, spreading yeah. it because the blood's going to coagulate and close it. And so looking at that five, five, six, it looked like a zit. Literally, it's like a like a slit, like a little stab, maybe. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and I see this kid, uh, and then I ask them, "Hey, you have any more gauze?" And they're like, "No." They had just the red bag. Now they're a little more. They have more stuff. So, yeah. Um, some I go, "Hey," I, uh, when I'm looking now, I'm thinking, "Okay, what can I do for make a hasty tourniquet?" Some guy walks in there and goes, "I'm gonna start cutting the tent." Heck yeah. This guy. The other guy came in there. He was looking for work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the mentality. And and he goes, well, "How long are the strips?" I go, two feet." And he just he starts cutting the tent. Then the part of me goes, "Man, he's cutting our concealment, mm-hmm. right?" But then the yeah. other the, the other part of the brain goes, "Mike, it's a white tent with the big red cross on." <laughs> Mike, it's my he's good. Like, well, and you're like, either way, I'm just gonna keep working. Let me just well, either way, either way, I'm gonna keep going. So I mean, there's a ton of different. And then this young cat comes in there and he brings a body and he sets it down. I'm, I'm out. And and throughout the day, this kid would become dropping off bodies. So wow. I'm in there for about an hour. Wow. And I've treated everything. So now I, I have a couple chest wounds and I look, okay, tension pneumothorax, march algorithm. Okay, I don't have any massive hemorrhaging right now because when I was working on some of the tourniquet bleeds, yeah, then I had a mouth bleed. They bring a young lady and she shot through the face. She's choking on her own blood. Mm-hmm. People are holding her up, and then I'm thinking, hey, only thing I can do for her is her airway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I go in there, and and for you, you know, you're gonna have to get in there, man. So I go in there and I sweep a hand. Yeah, <laughs> get in there. Open, as soon as I open it up, man, she goes, oh. awesome. I go, can you breathe? She goes. Uh, okay. Good enough for me. I said, you got to go. And somebody grabs her. She's out the door. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm now I have a little bit of time. It's like 30 minutes into it. Uh, and in this time, there's never been a firefighter. There's never been a paramedic, never been a police officer. Just, wow. just folks working. Okay. So I go, Hey, now I need to make a chest seal. So yeah. I go, I need you to make a tape. This kid's looking at me and I grab his hand. I go, put your hand over your chest. So I make the we make the first chest seal. Yep. And he's looking at me and he's Marcus is his name. And he mm-hmm. looks at me and I look at him and I don't know why I did this, right? I know I'm trying to yeah. communicate. I go, Marcus, give me your phone. Mm-hmm. And uh he looks at me, I go, give me your phone, Marcus. He hands me his phone. I go, unlock it. He unlocks it. He's still looking at me, no shirt on, chest shot. Mm-hmm. I take a picture of him. 
I know he's probably thinking, but I go, hey, man, I go, you're going to live, kid. This is your best Instagram moment ever. So I go, I go, <laughs> oh, man, you gave him something to live for. It's genius. It's so good. That wasn't it. Uh, you know, I, I will take that trophy, though. Yeah, yeah. He goes, he points to his wound. Yeah. Like, let's say it's right here. Yeah. And he goes. Click. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I put it on. And then he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And so for my uh, high speed PJs and everybody on here, my. Uh, yeah. Meat eaters and all the Meat Viking eaters. ninjas. Um, what happened, gents and ladies, is I had a row of 10 to 12 upper torso uh, GSWs, gunshot wounds. Yep. What I failed to do, I failed to look at this kid's back. Because what happened, once I sealed his chest, I was looking at the next call. Mm. And for you room clears, I didn't clear the deep corner because I saw movement to my left. And you're like, mm. oh, Mike, you failed. Yeah, you're right. Right? I got to clear that deep corner. You Even if that guy's squirting to the left, I know my boy's got to pick him up. Right. And I got to punch to the corner. Yeah. So um, at a, I'm just making chest heels. And then my kid, Marcus, I look at him and I go, hey, start tearing tape for him. What I should have done is, hey, you got to get out of here. Right. And, and now, so, and I was in another, not mass shooting, but a, a mass shooting. Um, I was better than I was at this. Okay. So as we're treating people, chest heels, I, I get sucked in, man. Uh, Terry and I are looking at each other. Hey, you good? I'm good, man. Keep working. Somebody goes, hey, help me outside. I step outside. There's bodies laid out there. Eight, nine dead, right? Okay. I see a guy doing CPR. He goes, hey, help me do CPR. I get over there and I start doing CPR. Mm. Now like, we're like 30 something minutes. And then it's dawning on me. Why am I doing CPR? Why am I doing CPR? Yeah, with all this bleeding and everything going on right now. I got yeah. sucked in. I got sucked in on the emotion, man. It happens. Um, right. But no, if you get stuck in neutral, move forward. So I look at her. Um, I know she's dead, right? Yeah. So I see eyeball. Nothing happens. So I close her eyes. Why did I do that? I don't know, right? right. And then I hear from my right on the my my right. Don't stop. Don't close your eyes. That's my dog. And because I was in work mode, I, I did. I made the choice not to look at mom or ever see mom's face. So I turned left and walked away. Right. Um, those are the choices you need to be prepared to make. Now's not the time. Right. Go back in there. There's a guy, he has a, he's pushing, he's covering an abdomen wound and he's pushing hard. Mm. And I tap him. I go, Hey man, uh, you, all you can do is seal that. We'll make a chest seal. Stop pushing. And he right. yells at me. I'm an EMT paramedic. I'm okay. Like, all right, exactly. <laughs> we bandage up some more people. The guy with no shirt in drops another body off. And then it dawns. Somebody says, I hear somebody say, say, hey, it's a doctor. I go, is there a doctor in here? <laughs> bodies. And in the corner, he goes, yeah, I'm a doctor. I look in the corner. There's a guy who says he's a doctor. Mm -hmm. He has two tourniquets on himself for a calf wound. I guess it's okay. So I trauma medicine and doctor medicine are two different things, y'all. Just so you guys, you know. Yeah, I anyway, go, I mean, maybe he's doing it. <laughs> I go, hey, doc. Uh, he goes, check my tourniquets. I go, you're not bleeding. I go, look, I could use your help. He goes, I'm done. I can't help anybody. 
can you leave the tour- tourniquets, Doc? Because no, no. <laughs> I'm like, do them. And, you know, set a set a couple like. Now's not the time, Mike. Now's yeah, not yeah, the time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now's not the time. Good go. <laughs> now's not the time for him to go to the whiskey locker, but and get tuned up. But all right. Yeah, yeah, I know, right. I go out, they go, hey, can you help me? I go outside. There's this, and right now, what, what I want people to understand is they're running bodies out. People are carrying them. They're putting body on those bicycle K rails. Arms are just flopping. Yeah. Um, thousands of people are doing great things. Wow. This is just my little snapshot. Yeah. They go, hey, they go, hey, Mike, uh, somebody goes, hey, help us. There's a guy outside. I go outside, there's another guy. He has his hand to his chest like this, three fingers. Okay. I look, I go, where you hit? He takes it off. He has three bullet holes in his chest. And this guy has self-plugged his tension pneumothorax with his fingers. With his fingers. He's getting it done. And not moaning. Big old dude. Yeah, just like, yo, this is what's going down. Yes. And I look, I go, can you get up? And he just goes, no. I'm like, okay. I go, we got to move this guy. We got to get the gurney and move them 50 yards to the street. So I go in there, chaos a little bit, people treating people. I go, things I don't know, you should know. Mm. How do you lift and raise a, how do you raise and lower a gurney? Next time you all are out there and you see some uh, first responders or you're training with them, yeah. hey, show me how to run the gurney. Yeah. It's a simple tool, but it ain't so simple when you're never seen conditioned black, when you're, you know, the heart rate's going and, you're shaking off four margaritas early, trying to. <laughs> on your third day in the V town. Yeah. You, yeah, man. You're doing a marathon of adrenaline and endorphins, you know, like yeah. I mean, at this point, you, you, you may have made a full circle. You may even have calmed down and then came back up, you know, at this time. Too. Right. So we go in there and I tell the kids, I look, hey, I need the gurney, the young EMT. You can't take it, sir. It's only for emergencies. Right. And that's where, you know, her condition black was kicking in, the 19-year-old. And yeah, I, not I, I think this qualifies. Yeah. I need you to teach me how to lift it up. So she teaches me. We load the guy, take it out there. We load the guy up in there. We wheel him out to the street. So there's a street that runs parallel to uh, the venue. And cars were stopping. People were throwing bodies in there. It was it was like the movies. If yeah. There is such a movie. Chaos. And this is where I wasn't clear. I go, hey, get this guy in this back of this pickup truck and go. What do they do? They take the whole gurney. I go, hey, but I need the gurney. So Dang. we can go out into the field and grab who we can because the shooting had stopped. Right. Uh, no. So now the whole gurney's in there and it's all adrenaline and it's all former military guys and it's all cops and it's and all hammering and moving fast. So and just- they just knock him off the gurney into the back of the pickup truck and give me back. Oh. I'm like this. Okay. 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 My bad. Next time I will clarify yeah. <laughs> and ask for a repeat back. Yeah. yeah, And ask for a repeat back. The repeat back's crucial. <laughs> um, uh, and it was small, like treating chest, taking rags and shuffing them up. Uh, Stuffing them inside. People. Finding a rag in the street and shoving it into a guy's hip. Yep. Cause that's what it had. So in the end, uh, we treated for like an hour. Uh, the guy's still putting pressure on the guy's stomach. I said, my partner goes, hey, Mike, there's nobody left alive in here. We can go now. Mm. And I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, you know, and now I'm just I'm just here working, doing nothing. You know? I go, yeah, well, let's go. 
And that guy's still putting pressure on the kid's belly. I go, hey, look, we, you got to get him outside. And he gives me the same speech. Now, for you jujitsu rollers, you would have watched this um, application of the karate and go, yeah, you could have went a little bit deeper on the V. And, and I would have been receptive to your training because that's not my expertise. But I, you know, I put a guy to sleep. Yeah. So he's still putting pressure on the guy's abdomen which is so you non-medical, it's not going to solve anything other than make them uncomfortable. I got to get them out of there. Cause now we're like 45 minutes an hour into it where tension pneumothorax will kick in or hopefully yeah. out. Yeah. So I okay. kneel behind the, uh, alleged, um, EMT paramedic. I lock his hips in. I put the carotid on him and I put him to bed. <laughs> so, uh, I put him to sleep, put him to sleep. Well, blood I, lay him down. I lay him down, but I know when he wakes up, he's going to wake up a different guy. So when he wakes up, I've already mounted him. Mm-hmm. Is, it's funny because I remember looking over at the victim and he's looking at me like, what the heck is going on? Are these guys doing this right now? <laughs> Why are these guys putting each other to the bed? Yeah. Well, the kid wakes up. You know, I tell him, I go, look, you have to get control of yourself. What's your name? Tells me his name. Are you good? Yes. I said, so if you're not good, there's more of this coming. Mm-hmm. You good? And he goes, yeah. Okay. Get the guy out of here. He gets the guy, walks him out of here. And then they move us all down the street. So for, so, so people understand right. there's clothes and stuff. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link of all the pictures. I mean, wow. you got to figure 20,000 people running out of their shoes. So we go to the next door building and things you need to think about, Hey, have your family close. Um, there's, there's reports of multiple active shooters. It's not yep. just people are shot are running into the hotel next door. Right. Mm-hmm. They're wounded in there. Yeah. So I, when we're in there, I grab some pillows and sheets because there's a door open. You know, hey, what are you doing? I go, dude, we're going to be here for three days. We're going to bivouac. I'm going to set up a hooch. Mike is good. You guys, he went straight back on the field up. Like he's on a deployment right now. You guys, yeah, gotta- I go, you guys going to be uncomfortable and I'm not going to embrace the suck. I found mm-hmm. an open door. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. This is home for the next 72 hours. At least, right? Yeah. At least. Right. So- we just need to find a food source. <laughs> so uh, they settle down then they, they're going to move us all to this big arena and they're checking everybody and I have my bag of goodies and then I see my kid with no shirt he goes hey sir what's up I go hey hey, I know you man he goes yeah that was awesome he goes young kid he goes that was gnarly yeah oh yeah man that you <laughs> can be described that way <laughs> yeah that was something else man I go I've, I've never seen so many people shot and he goes no not that I've never seen a guy choked out so i look at this kid yeah what do you do for a living yeah he goes oh i work for la fire and then he tells me he works in a very violent neighborhood a station right that's why all the gunfire didn't affect him it was like noise it was just noise he was like yo this dude's getting choked out (laughs) yes and i and in hindsight afterwards i thought this kid he's probably mid-20s i go this is the pipe hitter this is the American hero waiting for another day. I like, go, yeah. this is this kid because none of that bothered him. He goes, oh, that was cool. Yeah. That was gnarly. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're there, long hallway. Wow. We're going to be there for days. I see him. I go, hey, that, that, that that's your partner. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, I'm going to set up a hooch here. I go, you kept bringing me bodies. He goes, yeah, I met this guy. And this guy goes, come with me. We're going to go get people. And he goes, yeah, it was the neatest thing. 
Yeah. But I'm listening to him. Now he wants to talk, right? He's all covered in blood. He's getting, letting it go. He's letting it out. Yeah. And we're just talking. I tell him, and he goes, so this guy told me, he, and he told me to repeat after me, I'm up. He sees, sees me. I'm down. Yes. And, and I'm listening, and I'm thinking, like, Brian, you said, he goes, he went, this ranger took this guy to the basics. Yes. So you all will need to recruit somebody. They'll do what you tell them, or they'll won't do anything. Right. So he goes, yeah, so I would repeat it. I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. He goes, we get down and we would crawl around, see who was breathing or not breathing or just too scared. We'd pick them up and we'd run the patient. I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. He goes, we did that for like five, six bodies and I'm listening. I'm, I go, he goes, yeah, the guy says, hey, look, I'm a ranger, follow me. And I go, where'd the ranger guy go? And he goes, he just left. Wow. Right, right out of the ranger book, right? Hey, rangers. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's Marine Corps ranger. Like, I was like, wow. You know, yeah, that's so the, awesome. the small stories are. So we set up our thing and I go, hey, we're going to be here a while. I go, hey, you tell tell the, the folks we'll be back. We're going to go get some food. Mm-hmm. I take the pillowcase. I go, hey, come with me. We just and remember there's 10,000 people stuck in these hotel hallways. Well, like all hotels in Vegas, there's all the restaurants. They're empty now because people are jumped out screaming, yelling. Yeah. Time to go get some corn dogs. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're, we're grabbing. He goes, what, what are we doing? I said, look, hey, look, there's, there's some people that are hurt. One, we need to get them some water. Two, yeah. we need to get some food. Some people yep. start passing out. I said, we need to do what we need to do. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, hey, is that is, is that like stealing? I go, no. We're surviving right now. I, I go, it's survival, man. And the right term would be looting. <laughs> there you go. That's a police officer. Right. The that terminology. I go, I go, I go, hey, bro, it's okay. I go, I'm a sergeant, man. I go, they want to ask me and tell them, yeah, I took it. I took it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I need to wash blood off of people. And, and, and there's got to be intent, my man. So I go, look, not time for law school, but. <laughs> but I'm eating this corn dog. I'm eating this whatever I find right now. So we grab some food and then I go to grab some uh, plastic walk back to this young hardcore kid. Yeah. I'm grabbing some water and he goes, grab the Voss. And I look, I'm like, what? The Voss. Voss good water. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, the Voss water is expensive. And I went, dude, you, you're a whole different level kid. <laughs> like he's thinking it, the whole thing there. He's like, yo, let's get the, you know, oh man, that's awesome. This kid's so like. We go back. We're there for two or three hours in this venue. And then what's so people know if you're involved in this, then they just kick you out. You're free to go. Just get out of our venue. Bye. And I'm like, works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes me an hour or two. Uh, I get on the plane. Um, this was what, months. I get back. I get on the plane Monday morning because by the time I get to the hotel, uh, I go to work Tuesday. Wow. And they go, uh, you good? My watch commander. Like, yeah, I'm good, man. He goes, hey, you need any time off? I go, no, I don't need any time. I go right back to my business. But I knew I was going to crash. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, so where's the fall? There's always a, because I did the same thing, man. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm highly functional. Then I went high into the right and just started maladaptively coping to try to keep myself good. And it wasn't a year later. I was like, yo, bro, you need to go power down somewhere. Yeah, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm dead tired. Mm -hmm. Exhausted, like dead tired. Mm. So I, go, I go, look, hey, man, uh, can I go home? He's like, yeah, I can't believe you showed up. <laughs> yeah. I go home and my phone's blown up from people that were there with me. And, and they ran out. And, you know, they 
they ran and hid and they they did what they and all right. Stayed and you know, you, you know, you and T stayed for like an hour and you carried. And I go, yeah, it's just you know, it's just, it's just. It wasn't that first day, but weeks later, they had a hard time coming to grips with. They had survivors' guilt for not staying. So then I had the obligation of I, I set up uh, some dinners. I set up some through a guidance, of course. Um, went to a stop. Took some of them, stopped the bleed class. I took other ones within the three or four days. I said, hey, let's all go to the range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get that that gunfire. Yep. Get inoculated. Let's get inoculated. Yeah. And that, that training, I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, but, but one, the fact that you were able to speak to that survivor's guilt and that you took the time to help them with that, because that's a big, big thing. That's really awesome, you know? And we... I mean, you have the tools. It's like, how can you, you, you have the tools and you've been training and you've been, you know, going to these medical packages and remaining a student, no matter what rank or, you know, where you are at in the structure of things, that stuff is so big. I think you said it the best at the beginning of this thing, no one's coming for you, you know, and yeah. having all that to be able to bring to a situation like that is what I want to see our, 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 our public really, really lean into. I had the um, pros and cons. So when I, the the first deployment um, to the Middle East as a reservist, so people don't know, you don't go with that as a cohesive unit. You pick up um, a a basketball game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you do two weeks training, not a lot of time to figure out who's who in the zoo. Right. So we forward deploy them when we're done fly back, we turn our kid into um, Fort Bliss, Texas, Mm. two days there, fly back to uh, Damneck, Virginia, for you guys on, we fill out our paperwork, hey, you know, shot, wounded, psycho, not psycho, you're done, so let's say I leave, um, we leave uh, out of Al-Assad Airport on Thursday, I'm sitting in my house alone, seven days late, Wow. No debrief, nothing. And then you're sitting in your house. You know, you just left one where you're driving in uh, Humvees and rocket-proof Toyota. Waiting to get blown up. And then you're just sitting in your house and with no no other buddy to have a beer with or talk. Yeah, yeah, without the tribe, man, without the pack. And then you are not good for those around you. And this is my personal experience yeah. short fuse your um the wife will say hey it's you know it's bobby's birthday and bobby's this and you're thinking and you're, you're like i don't give a about bobby's stupid okay. birthday. <laughs> i don't like bobby i know bobby's my son yeah exactly i could care no. less and and it's 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 truly real in your heart and you're just going shut your mouth <laughs> and you're trying to hold it all in and like Oh man, and and now it's like you're laughing. I'm laughing at it too. So I call, I call my buddy. Yeah, SF guy. I go, hey dude, and this guy has like ten deployments. You know, mm-hmm. ninety day capture kill packages. So I call him and I say, okay. man, this and that. He goes, you're totally normal, man. Yep. yep. I go, I am. And he goes, yeah, it'll pass. He yeah. Goes, Just don't turn heavy to the bottle and try to work out as much as you can. You try to work out as much as you can. This is this is awesome. And I hope you guys are listening. This is this is amazing. I go, 
He goes, I know you want it. He goes, and go to nice dinners, like a white nice dinners. He goes, because you can't afford the drinks, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Goes, Dude, you're like, you're like a Jedi. He goes, that way you won't drink that much. I'm like. Because <laughs> you can't afford the drinks. I love it. Right. And that's the truth. When you start trying to change your state with these substances, you start to lean on the substances as a crush to change your state instead Absolutely. of looking at past or find constructive ways to change your state, i.e. physical exertion, working out and things like that. And that is how you get there. I still work out because of this stuff, probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and no, I'm the path of a warrior. The path of the warrior. And it's mentally rewarding. And mm. I still get up at 3 a.m. Wow, I'm right behind you at four, man. Yeah, yeah and, uh, <laughs> wow. And, and I'm PTing at four a.m. Um, mm. Why? Because it's what it's it's works for Mike Gonzalez. Yeah, you know, I, and I enjoy it. Um, and are there days where that alarms early? Yeah, man. Oh yeah, and, and that's there. And then there's the peer pressure, and uh, it's it's how you maintain that sanity. And so you can talk to it like this and having, having seen both sides, guys really hit the bottle, um, mm -hmm. wreck marriages. And it, it, it can be one incident and all of us are different as it relates to uh, traumatic stress. Really deal with this. Yeah. Inner city kids, they're inoculated to it. Country boys and girls that are skinning, that are. Skinning animals and slicing things open from young age. They're fine. They're like, you want a beer afterwards? And you're like, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you see how thick that guy's skin was? Man, it barely, that round barely went through. And yeah, right. Fine. And, and the other thing is tell folks, hey, it's okay. You're normal if if you're spinning out of control, but just know you are and, and try to regroup. So mm -hmm. what does all this training do? And like when I uh, when I went to the training package last month or a month ago, it just keeps you inoculated. And, and there's some good training packages out there that use simulated blood in real patients. And there yeah. is nothing like heated, warm, fake blood coming out of a true guy missing a leg who's fighting you. Yep. So when it really happens, uh, yeah. so are, are always the student, right? Mm -hmm. Always the student you should be. 100%. And then on, uh, so that, you know, that came and went. Yeah. Uh, and then recently, a year or two ago, I'm at work and there's a, a multiple shooting in a, in a high rise. Wow. Okay. And, uh, as I hear it, as I hear it over the radio, I hear officers are going, hey, we got multiple victims, one down, two down, three down, four down. I got uh, the shooters are running. It's okay. in a 25 story. And I know the young guys are out there hunting. They go, hey, there's there's two patients down here. Um. I carry my IFAC everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, man. I'm I, right here. I, I I carry it. I'm the guy. I I carry a tourniquet. I carry you know the basic tools in the Costco. Ain't gonna catch. I have they an obligation. Catch me slipping, and that's the thing, man. You know, civilians. It, you, no one at that concert thought that was going to happen to them. You know, as a civilian, even at least in your second line gear in your vehicle. Go get training. We're offering training at my school. We're off. There's a lot of training out there, but go get training so you can be competent with these situations. You might, you won't, may not turn into a soul snatcher overnight and be kicking indoors, but you'll at least be like, hey, I can fix that. I can help. Someone in your family unit, someone you love, I can fix that. I can help. I can stabilize them. 
get this, the training is really, who do you want to be in the circumstance? The person that has to leave because you really don't know what you can offer, or do you want to be somebody who can actually help? And I think that's a question you want to ask yourself, you know, uh, before these things happen. But anyways, so. <laughs> no, uh, hey, uh, tell people, uh, you know, hey, go to the training. If he's offering yeah. it, go, you know, get your group together, figure out how you're going to do it, uh, where they get their kit. Yep. You can't do enough training, and it's it may never be this active shooter, right? It can be a simple accident. It can be cutting grass using a chainsaw, and he yeah. hits a major artery. And because you failed, yeah. that I, I don't I don't know how to make a hasty tourniquet, right? Um, um, I don't know how to clear an airway when he catches a soft when when he crashes on his bike and he eats the curb, right? So we can go basic life. Uh, how do I do it? So you said, hey, go to the training. So this one, I hear where the victims are at. And and unlike Route 91, I, I carry my IFAC for for those of you there, I carry it on a bungee. Okay. Uh, most law enforcement agencies give it to you to clip it on your duty belt. None of you carry that. <laughs> None of you carry that. Absolutely. No. So you 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 dummy corded on like it's Spider Man on there, right? So just have it bungee. Now I carry a tourniquet and a chest seal mm. on an ankle holster. They sell them. I learned it from a PJ. So when I have my blue suit, I can reach it with my left or right hand and a chest seal. It's just it's part of my kit every day. Yeah. Have it right. You see, and Marine. The Marines said it best in their book. Uh, uh, of command, um, be brilliant in the basics. I don't need you repelling from a submarine off Mount Whitney. Mm -hmm. I just need you to be able to put accurate fire and administer a life-saving uh, medical aid. Yep. We'll figure out everything else. A hundred percent. Just do those good things, and we'll put you in the right places, and we'll make we'll make this thing do what it needs to do. And it'll be a force multiplier, right? Um, mm -hmm. You find work. <laughs> Find work. And then one guy comes and helps me, you know, Byron comes and helps me. Then Bryce comes and helps Brent, and then, then we're champions. So um, I, for you uh, first responders, I carry mine on a bungee. So when I go to a backyard or I go to a call, I put the, the hot, if you want to paint the bungee black and, and buy it for $20 and call it SWAT bungee. Tactical, tactical bungee. <laughs> uh, mine is about as bright orange as you can see. Yeah. So I, 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 I hooked a bungee and I spin it and it's hanging on my back for all the infantry guys will get it. It looks like the old butt pack that would hail, hold flares and whatnot. Yeah, man. My IFAC's there that everybody can see it. Like, okay, Sarge has an IFAC, you know, yep. I got to lead by example, right? So, but then, so if I need it, I just spin it to the front of my body. Mm -hmm. It's on my hip. I unzip it. Zippers are always in the center, right? Easy to find when I'm losing my mind. Right. Treat, I zip it back up, I spin it around. So this was like, this is what I've been training for again. Again. So I go to the call, all on body worn. There's multiple victims. Hey, and I have two young officers. First thing I asked them, you have your IFAT? No, sir, I don't have it. I said, all right. So I get the tool I need to treat this guy. Hey, take this, take this partial of my IFAT, go treat him. Now, fire is not coming in. Because I'm listening on my comms, they're hunt, they're chasing these guys. Okay. The shooter's here. There's another shooter. Hey, we just found another victim shot in the head. He's on the 15th floor. 
And I go, and they go, hey, look, there's another body that's going up and down in the elevator. Uh, and then there's two out here. And the guys, so now the cavalry's coming. The shooter's still out there. Right. Um, I got a patient. This is where I'm at. I'm good. He's alive. You talk to me. Yes. How do I get him out of here? First thing I do, comms is always critical, y'all. So guess what? The first thing to fail is comms. We've done this plan a hundred times. We get in the basement. Where's my comms? Comms. Zero. Existing. Nobody's coming. Individual action, man. (laughs) Nobody's coming for you again. And the J chose you. It was a 90-day degree, 90-degree day. And Murphy's running around with a chainsaw and an ice pick. Yes, yes. And I'm thinking, yeah, Murphy, you nailed it. Okay, where's this guy? Hey, there's another shooter over there. Is fire coming? No, fire staging. Okay, wait, there's no comms? Yes. Hey, somebody just called and said the shooter just ran into another apartment. Just coming in. So yeah. I'm like, I got this guy. You guys take those guys. The other 30 guys that are rolling, you find the shooter. Prioritize, execute, prioritize, execute. We got to get these people out of here. I'm looking around. I'm in an open garage. I see carpet. I tell the guy, hey, you got your knife? He goes, yeah. I said, cut the carpet off the floor. We're going to stick him in here, cut handles, because we're going to be running bodies out. He's like, got it. But then I say, turn the corner, and I'll send you these videos. There's two shopping carts. For those of you that live in apartments, you know how they have those cloth carts that people put their groceries in? Mm-hmm. I look, bingo, gurney. Nice. Yeah. I, hey, I run back to my patient and there's things called busy talk, right? So my guys, he, he shot through the gut. Um, so I put a chest seal because it's just right, right above the, the belly button mm-hmm. and busy talk. But let's say his name is, I'll call him Gmail. Just distract I, him. Yeah, I, just I, keep go, going. I keep going. I go, Gmail, don't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's looking at me. I'm thinking, I don't even know why I said that, dude. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going anywhere. And you're like, yo, man, what do so, you want to do? Uh, and, I, and I'm a one-man show. Wow. So I treat him, cut his clothes, look for additional wounds. Because I have all my kit. Mm-hmm. Buddy, back up, roll out. And, and I tell him, hey, you have to save yourself. I go, I need you to stand up so I can put you in here and get you out of here. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. I go, on three, one, two, three. He, he has enough to stand up. I drop him in there. And I'm dragging this kid like a bag of groceries down the street. Wow. But what I do is the way we were trained, I wait till I get all the bodies, everybody on me, everybody on me. We're going to consolidate one exfil, one exit point. So um, we don't get shot by, we don't have a blue on blue. Exactly. Uh, everybody on me. And then I, uh, funny parts, I pop the hatch to the building. I go, where's fire? On body when they go, fire's not coming. My, Mike's response, shit. <laughs> Casualty collection point down the street. As we get down the street, I see fire about 300 yards away, where they should be, right? They're right. staging, waiting for the bot, and we're wheeling them bodies in shopping carts. Mm. Clockwork. Getting them there. It took, it, and then reassess tourniquets. Um, right. And I still try to go uh, to training two or three classes a year. Outstanding. On the same stuff. It's a perishable skill, man. Yes. You know, our certs are only good for two years. You know, the the TCCC, the TECC stuff is already like that. But even our hard skills package is like, look, I'm not going to sign off on you forever. This is a lifestyle. This is what I always talk about. You know, this is more than just a job. Protection is a lifestyle. You've got to remain a student of these multiple disciplines. You know, one hand to do 
to, to do violence, to save lives in order to stand before between people and the wolf. One hand to save lives. You might have go from engaging to then saving that individual's life. This yep. is, you don't just, you don't just maintain this kind. It's not like, it's not exactly like riding a bike. Your baseline of proficiency is what you want to, is what you need to continue to elevate. Cause that's what you're going to have. It ain't going to be, you're not going to shoot the way you shot after you was on the range for 20 minutes with yeah. your boys warmed up. No, you're going to shoot the way you shoot. If I put you on the line right now and say, all right, let's go. Boom. Maybe probably worse, <laughs> you know, so you've got to increase that baseline. And this comes from just being from intimate and familiar with these arts. Man, this is awesome. Yeah. There's so many golden nuggets in here. Uh, read and go to school and train. And it doesn't matter if you're a, a 58 year old gentleman right. with 32 years in the Navy and uh, 30 years as a copper and Right. Um, uh, nobody wants to. Nobody. Nobody cares what right. you can't do. They want to know what you can do. So uh, exactly. keep pushing your body. Make yourself uncomfortable. Uh, what, what, what's Mike's takeaway? Keep training. Keep mm -hmm. researching. Um, if you don't have a tourniquet in your gym or in your gym bag, yeah, you're going to be that weird guy at the gym. You're going to push your body on the assault bike heart rate. Then I want you to try to put the tourniquet on. You can, you can do it in the corner. Or if, right. if you have a facility that has a gym, right trainer on it, throw two tourniquets in your gym, make them get that heart rate up to 145, 150, 160, yep. and then have them put the tourniquet on. You want to make it more fun? Blindfold. Mm. Uh, and these, this is some stuff. We, we went through a package um, with 18th group. Um, they do the assault bike. So we do a two-day package class training. Yeah. And it ends up on the assault bike and then you get off and they blindfold you. They knot up your tourniquet while the guy's on the ground screaming mm -hmm. and you have to feel it, um, untie it, and then put it on. You're giving me ideas for our inbox. Oh, no, we stole you're it. Just, <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. I finished it and we went, say again, he goes, yeah. So then when we teach now, um, uh, when as uh, roll call training, we'll do it mm -hmm. early in the gym. We stole it. We go, this was the best thing. Because at first we go, hey, why do you put it in a knot? Or why do you do this? He goes, because that's how he's going to find it, Mike. Yeah. I want him to basically run his hands and he'll know with, with tunnel vision. Oh, this is what's wrong. Right. And they, another thing they taught us, he goes, because when he takes it out and he looks at it, because he's done it blindfolded, he'll know that he has a double feed, unless you will use weapons and uh, terminology, right? Um, without having to put it on and have it fail. He'll just look at it. And I was like, oh, that's why you guys are the yeah. belt as you are. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing they taught us <laughs> is before we would do tourniquet training, I put my tourniquet on myself and then, okay, you got it on, no distal pulse, take it off. They go, never take off your own tourniquet. Because what they found is forward deployed, muscle memory kicks in, Mike gets hit, Mike puts his tourniquet on. What did Mike do in training? Took it off. So they, so we, always the student, we go, hey, We'll steal that too. So yeah, when yeah. our guys do training, they put tourniquet on, then they get their battle buddy, swim buddy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, and they take it off. So. What would you say about, you know, as we're winding down here, but what would you say about um, 
kind of the red tape guys are finding themselves in or whatever reason, whatever reason it is with the shooting that we had uh, in Texas, you know, law enforcement officers going in or staying out. Any thoughts on that? You know, like they, they knew what they had to do and it's, it would be disappointing if they tried to cover it up with any other excuse where we didn't have tools, but how about this, man? How about you just keep kicking that door? How about you take a round like a breaching thing and you shoot through the door? Well, Mike, they don't have breacher training, but you have a brain. Yeah. You're a man and you're, you're a human and you have a brain. I was so, talking to him. Go ahead. Yeah. If, if Were there any windows in the classroom? Yes, but they're 10 feet tall. Well, then why didn't you drive a unit through the gate? Um, and then I stand there and I find my smallest guy and I go do climb up and stand on my shoulders yep. or that window or just, Hey, listen, dude, I'm going to throw you through. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't be here for an hour. My kids are bleeding out. There was a shooting in Ventura, California It's called the borderline shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I went through the homicide investigators briefing on that. Fast forward, a guy walks in there. Uh, he was a saw gunner in Afghanistan, lost his mind. <clears throat> Killed a security guard right in the beginning. Now, things we need to think about. He is better than us. The mm-hmm. Vegas shooter. Pre-planning, like you had mentioned, we're reactive. Uh, and I'll send you the uh, after action on that, too. Mm-hmm. Shoots a security guard. He goes into an office that's directly to the right of the building. That's where all surveillance cameras are at. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, thinking through this thing. Now he has like ISR. He's sitting there. He looks at. He lights military grade smoke. Pops it at the hatch, the door. Yeah. Goes back into his room. No cops are coming. And then he walks around. He's executing people. Wow. This guy's so brutal. When he's executing people, after he shoots some people, he shoots. He doesn't kill him. He takes the Glock barrel while it's still burning, and he burns him in the face. Wow. So you know, folks, nobody's coming for him. Right. And you can't reason with this type of evil. No. Evil exists. It's pitch black. There's no logic. You hit the nail on the head. They took the audio from the dispatch to the surveillance cameras. He shot one guy who's moaning, dials 911, takes his phone, puts it next to the guy, and he takes a sog knife and he stabs him in the throat. And you watch this and you hear this. Mm -hmm. And you go, now, they waited outside 40-something minutes. When Ventura gave the brief, the first slide was, this is Sergeant John Smith. John Smith failed to make entry. John Smith has since been retrained and failed to meet the standards of the Ventura County Sheriff's. Boom, next guy. This is Deputy John Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith was armed, and he fled, and he ran, and he was armed with this handgun. Boom. They went, Ventura went out there and laid out their own. Never heard it. I can respect it. Yes. And we were like this. Okay. Okay. And and I get the uh, fog of war on this one. Hey, we went in there. But if it's, you know, we talk about it at work. You have to have initiative. Now, if I don't want initiative, I can hide outside the classroom and say, well, we can't get in. But you're not trying. You can get in. You can get in. There's you can get in. I always go to the office and get the key. Yeah. Now, do you think this has something to do with like I know I feel like 
law enforcement's kind of, and I know we're going way over time, but we're no, in no, it's, so chop, chop it as you will, man. Chop it as you okay. will. Um, do you think this has to do with kind of, I feel like there's been a push in another direction for kind of a different type of avatar for hiring, you know, like less veterans, less kind of a little 100%. bit more of a, you 100%. know. Um, you, you need all type of officers, right? Mm-hmm. But what I need is a person that's willing to be violent on a drop of a hat. Yeah. But if they're trained, and here's the key, the majority mm-hmm. of these shootings uh, that are bad shootings that you see police officers commit, I want you to look at the officer and you can't judge a book by his cover. Now, sometimes you can. Right. Or also look at his background. What type of training does he have? Well, right. he went to the academy 10 years ago. But when was the last time he went to an outside of his agency's shooting package? Right. I don't need my beer drinking buddy to qualify me. I need to go around a bunch of strangers that are going to make me nervous right. uh, and push me. I need to fly out of state to do some training. Yeah. It's only your life. Yeah. So because they're not confident in their ability, they're not competent in their ability to either de-escalate or to go straight to hundred percent and it's over. Right. That's right. yeah. And, and we're not hiring we're looking for the softer, gentler. I can take a hard officer, whether it be male or female, and train them down. Right. I cannot make a person who's genetically predisposed to be softer. So right. I can't make them braver. We'll right. never have it. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, and that was the problem we ran into. Even in the Marine Corps getting ready to go to war, we'd have some recruits that we would get. And they were just, you know, we give them a call sign like rubber chicken or uh, angel, <laughs> baby, you know, angel kisses. And I mean, we would, I mean, uh, the Spartans did it. The battery of training that they would go through in the fleet was completely different. You'd get your meat eaters and they'd be savages. And then we'd get the soft guys. And I mean, it was like they just went to an MMA camp until they got to combat. They were like little, they were just like, and then we just had to bring them into the tribe, you know, but you can't do that, you know, and we all got in trouble and the Marine Corps got restructured and you can't put your hands on recruits any, on, on, uh, on, on new Marines anymore, you know, but you know, this is peacetime, right? So I completely understand that. And it's, you know, it, it, I just, I guess, you know, for all the law professional protectors, private security guys, law enforcement guys, this is one of the reasons why we started with hard skills intensives, where we get these guys up at 6.30 a.m. and we hammer until 10.30 at night on hard skills. They walk away from this course and they're like, this changed my life. I'm like, this is more than just a job. You know, this is, this is a lifestyle, as a calling. People are dependent on us. We got to, we have to be able to do the deed. And, you know, because this is, this is, what it can all ultimately come down to is whether you will have the intestinal fortitude to be able to do what needs to be done and not fail everyone. And, and now I think that we zoom out and it's not even just for professional protectors. The civilian has a choice. Everyone has a choice, more of a choice for the civilian, but how do you, do you want to be that person? Personal protection is the one skill that allows you to keep and maintain everything you love in your life, whether we're doing it for you, you know, gentlemen are out there on that wall wearing blue, making sure that the enemy stays at bay or green, or you as a father may have to defend your home, <laughs> you know, or defend your family while you're out at 7-Eleven, you know, on any given day. So, man, this is, this is, this is awesome. Favorite quote, mantra, saying? The day chooses you. 
the day chooses you. Yeah, that's that's been the theme, you know. Uh, good habit or just lifestyle change people should look at that maybe makes you a better human or better protector. Be uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah, as much as you can. That's where the that's where the magic is. That's that's where the the adaptation reflex gets triggered. You know, <laughs> which translates to embrace the suck. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. I love it. You're up at 3 a.m., man. You've challenged me. I'm a 4 a.m. guy. Well, it, it works because that's where my shift is. And uh, okay. um, so the, you guys watch. Is it comfortable? No. No. It, I, it's love like it. I, love it it's, I love it when it's over. Yes, yes, yes. What about that? What about, uh, oh, how would you, you know, what's it all for? How would you like to be remembered? Sir. And th- there it goes. Uh, Mike's going to go to Burger King and buy a crown and cover it in aluminum foil and stand <laughs> on the corner and be a king of his own fiefdom. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of great sayings, right? Hey, live your eulogy, not your resume. Yeah. You better pack your resume and, you know, to, to have some standing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that the that I've made the men and women under my charge better leaders, not make them better because it's easy to make, but make them better leaders so then they understand, hey, you have an obligation. You have to burn the midnight oil, which means you need the PT. Yeah. The key is the easiest thing you can do as a professional protector, uh, as a uh, as a human being that's walking the streets, just knowing that Incident hits, adrenaline's going to rock your body. And if you're gassed out in 30 seconds, Casualty. I'm not saying you got to go do a wad, but um, so what do I want to be known for? Um, be nice to people, man. Um, yeah. Just be nice. Life is good. And you can make friends. Um, 30 second snippet. Yep. I'm at this medical class in San Diego. I know no one. I'm with, I'm with another uh, a sergeant major in the Marine Corps. Wow. There's this guy blasted out, cowboy boots on. I give my name, hey, Mike Gonzalez, but you know, they, they really don't care. That's all right. Yeah. 30 seconds into it, he goes, uh, hey, Mikey, come over here with this wound packing. I don't know this cat, <laughs> right? I don't know this guy. I'm, I'm in a tough guy school that looks like tough guy school. There's all tough guys. Everyone's there. sniffing each other's butts and doing the thing. Yeah, man. I look at this cat. I'm thinking, dude, you don't know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just that, hey, Mikey. <laughs> so I start helping him. And, I, and then I look at him. I say, do I know you, man? He goes, no. I'm like, well, shit, I love you already, dude. Yeah, we're brothers now. Our pure savage. Yeah. Uh, and then, so these guys are world-class martial artists. And for you guys, at, at the end of the day, we have an FTX. Right? We got to run. There's active shooter and all that. Got to work it together. Um, this guy took one of the leads because it's the same thing. He's a thinker because he's a fighter because yep. he's in shape yep. wasn't gassed. So uh, at the end, be nice to people yeah. uh, and train. Yeah. Be ready. The day chooses you. Be ready. The day chooses you. Boom. That's outstanding. Oh, wow. Wow. What a good Good conversation. This has been, it's been an honor and a privilege. Yeah, man. 
Michael, thank you so much for sharing this stuff with us. I think there's there's so many takeaways, man. We could sit here and kick this back and forth. Looking forward to linking up with you um, and doing some good training as well. Um, thank you so much for everything, for who you are, you know, and what comes out of who you are and who you've trained to be. A lot of people, I feel like, you know, have been able to depend on you, you know, and, and even when they didn't know they were going to need you. So that that's that stuff's ultra meaningful. So it's been an honor and a privilege, sir. Thank you so much for this conversation. This is my MCK. There are many like it, but this one is mine. If you've got a firearm sitting around, a pistol that you are not doing anything with, get an MCK. They make them for every single model. If you want a micro conversion kit that will turn your handgun into a force multiplier, get one, man. They are ultra affordable. CAA MCK micro conversion kits are the changing the game, y'all. So if you don't have one, you need to get one. Get one, your women, children, people that are less physically potent will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. You will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. I wanna get one of these into the hands of 100,000 more protectors this year because ultimately we are only as good as the things, the nation is only as good as its protection. Your home is only as safe and as good as your ability to protect it. MCK, go get one, drop your handgun in, take it to the next level, out, boom. Boom, yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I wanna encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.